Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. Georgia! Zoe, how are you? I bloody miss you. How are you? Well, I miss you, but I do speak to you probably every other hour of the day. <laughs> it's so true. It's like even though we can't hug each other and meet up and talk about what um, what jeans, what, what straight leg jeans we're wearing, we can just do it over the phone, so it's fine. I know. Although, how is it? How's it going? I'm really um, trying to stay positive. I think I'm having kind of up, like you, probably sort of up and down days. But obviously, you know, we are staying at home to save lives. And that's kind of the bigger picture. So I just keep taking it in small chunks. Like if I look at it as a big kind of three week thing, um, because obviously that's what we're being told at the moment, it's a bit too much for me. But every day it's like it's, it's good. Yeah, I think I found the first week when Axel had to stay home, do you remember, because he had a cough. That week I found the hardest, but I think that might have been because other people could still be out. So I found that hard. And then once the actual lockdown hit, I found it easier. But I think that's because I already had some time to get used to it. I was like sending you messages on Instagram going, oh, I feel so sorry for Georgia. She's at home and I'm still out and about. And then suddenly it was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, so I'm sort of used to it now. I'm a bit scared for what it's going to be like when we go back to normal. I'll be like, oh, no, I don't want to go out. <laughs> The first thing that I want to do is go and have a party. It's all I'm thinking about. It's like, who do I want to have a party with? Who's on my list? What we're going to drink? What nibbles are we going to eat? Like, I am ready. I feel like I'm the opposite. I'm like, me and James keep being like, oh, we're always like, we're always out. You know, like as soon as there's some nice weather or something, we'll be like, right, let's go out. Let's do something. Whereas now we've been spending time at home. I'm like, oh, we should stay at home more often. It's actually so much less stressful. Like, you know, not having to pack a changing bag, not having to bring 500 bottles with you, nothing, because everything's here already. Yeah, I mean, there is something to be said about just taking the pressure off rushing around. I mean, for me, it's not having, I'm obviously having to still go in um, to London to do my um, show at Heart at the weekends. But Monday to Friday, we're just here. And I, I don't feel as stressed or anxious or 
tired for the other reasons that I was before if you see what I mean I'm obviously feeling a bit anxious because of corona and because of the lockdown and stuff but just general like tiredness I feel the best I have done for ages you know what that's so interesting you say that I was thinking that the other day like I've been I know you know I love cooking anyway but every single meal we've been sitting down and eating together I mean when does that ever happen never ever ever and we can actually do that which is really nice I'm spending I'm obviously doing workouts at home still we're getting out for a walk every day together I think like there's actually a you know there's a lot of positives to be taken from this situation and hopefully things that on the other side of it we can take into um our you know a new life yeah I mean I I agree with you I think there's definite kind of lessons in there but I don't know. I feel for for the other parents, for everybody else that's in the same boat. Because the one thing that keeps you sane as a parent is being able to bung the kids in a pram or in the car and just get the fuck out of there. And at the moment, it's like, oh, God, go anywhere. And I think I think the, the cabin fever is setting in. I'm also slowly turning into like a red wine addict. I, I'm drinking. I don't know about you, but I just can't stop drinking. I get to about 5.30 and I'm like... Yeah, I'm just going to have another drink. Yeah. And then I always start the day off by thinking, I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. And then, you know. Do you know what? I actually haven't been drinking because we don't drink at home anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, James doesn't drink at home. Well, James doesn't really drink that much apart from if he goes absolutely. James is a fun sponge. He is. He is. But we're, um, yeah, he's driving me mad. We started trying to do yoga in the evenings, which sounds so lovely and so peaceful. But actually, the reality of it is he's that annoying person in the yoga class who makes loads of weird noises when he's breathing. He also moans about the way that that the candle is flickering because it offends him and gives him a headache. How can you be annoyed by a candle? It's supposed to be the most <laughs> soothing, chilled thing. Oh, let's put on a candle, not when James is around, he's going to get pissed no, off about it. No, 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 because that candle could flicker in a way that he doesn't like. So, you know, I'm learning new things about him every day. And <laughs> <laughs> not all of them I'm enjoying. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, we're obviously recording this podcast remotely from home. We've got our laptops open. We're talking to each other down the ether. And the person joining us on the chat today is also in her flat with her lovely boyfriend. She has been on the podcast before. Um, we wanted to start off... Um, Obviously, we haven't recorded a podcast since the coronavirus outbreak. So as much as we want to try and keep the podcasts to kind of the norm and we want to keep going with the fun chat and the silly chat and, you know, the sexy chat, we also feel like it's important to kind of reflect the state of the country at the moment. So today's podcast is going to be predominantly about our health and the corona outbreak, the pandemic that's going on at the moment. So we thought, who else to get on than one of the most knowledgeable women we know? She's already been on series one before. She is a doctor. Gee, who is it? It's Dr. Zoe Williams. Let's get on with it. So very excited today because one of our favourite guests from series one is gracing us with her presence. We're obviously doing this remotely because we're all working from home today with our laptops and our headphones in. Uh, When we chatted to her first, she was always my favourite GP, but now she's the nation's favourite GP. Joining us today is Dr. Zoe Williams. Hi, guys. I'm not sure I'm the nation's favourite GP. I think that's still Dr. Hilary Jones, but I'm... No, no. (laughs) Not to us, anyway. Zoe, how are you? Because obviously with everything going on at the moment, we we know that you've um, obviously had to self-isolate and you had to do that before the lockdown because you weren't very well. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, the world is a very different place to what it was when we last spoke on this podcast, isn't it? We're in this unusually 
kind of dark, but in some little ways, interesting and positive world with coronavirus. And uh, yeah, quite early on, I got symptoms. So um, self-isolated for a week, well, for nine days in the end, I self-isolated. And now I'm out the other end and feeling normal again, which is great. So what were your um, like initial symptoms? So for me... The first, it was bizarre because my initial symptoms weren't the continuous cough or the fever. My initial symptoms, the very first symptom actually was a headache and a pain behind my eyes. And I felt a little bit achy and feverish um, and just thought, oh, this is weird. I was with my family that day and I actually said to them intuitively, I knew something was wrong. I said, you know, no hugs, no kisses, actually don't touch me. And played football with my nephew for about half an hour. And after that, my lungs were hurting and I just felt absolutely exhausted. I was basically slumped at the dinner table and was like, right, that's it. I'm out of here. I need to go home. I think I've got it. And then over the next few days, it was mostly fatigue and muscle aches. I slept for 20 hours solid and and then started to feel better, but still fatigue and feeling feverish, but I only had a low fever. Um, And after about three days, I was sort of up and about and functioning but it took me another week I would say for the brain fog to clear and to feel that I had enough energy to even do the smallest amount of exercise the longest recovery I've ever had from an illness. So this this illness coronavirus is obviously a it's it's a really tricky one to kind of self-diagnose because it's presenting itself very differently in different sets of people is that right? Yeah absolutely so I think anybody who does have those classic symptoms of a fever or a new continuous cough there's a highly likely chance that you have coronavirus but also we know that some people just lose their sense of smell and taste some people have symptoms like mine which are very vague sort of fatigue and aching and just feeling generally unwell and some people have absolutely no symptoms at all. So, so it's, it can be impossible to self-diagnose. There are lots of us out there walking around infected and with no symptoms at all. And is that what they're saying about children? So a lot of children are having no symptoms at all. Do they call it asymptomatic or something? So they're like the super spreaders. Is that right? Well, let's break it down. So first of all, yes, you're correct that children can get this virus and tend to have either no symptoms at all or very mild symptoms, even milder than just a cold. Um, And the term super spreaders, so we use that in relation to flu because we know that children do spread flu because they, they, if one child gets flu, they essentially pass it to all of their friends at school and the teachers and then they all take it back into their households. It's still undetermined to what extent at the moment children do spread it. We're not certain that they actually spread it in the same way they spread flu. So, But it's good news that children don't tend to get sick with it. Um, but they're the perfect example of they can be asymptomatic, have no symptoms, but still could go and transmit the virus to their grandparents, for example. Zoe, why is that? Because um, why is it why is it doing different things in kids to adults? That's really confusing to me because surely we're kind of all made up in the same way fundamentally. So why is it why is it presenting differently in children? And I mean, the short answer to your question is we don't know for certain, but there are a couple of theories out there that I can talk about. We know with flu that the vulnerable groups when it comes to flu are the very old, the very young, 
those with underlying health conditions and women during pregnancy. And that's because we know that women's immune systems can behave differently in pregnancy. Now, coronavirus is different. It's unusual because, yes, it affects the older population more in, in that they're more likely to have complications and those with underlying conditions. But it seems to spare the very young and it seems to spare pregnant women. So it does raise that question, why is that? And scientists all over the globe are currently doing work to try and figure it out. One of the things that's been proposed is that the more mature your immune system is, so the longer you've been alive and the more times your immune system has seen different viruses and learned that every virus is different and every virus is specific. And whenever you get a new virus, it identifies what it is specifically because you've had it before and hits it with the correct tool for that particular virus. One of the things that's been proposed is that in an elderly person, when our body sees this coronavirus, it recognises and wrongly thinks it's a different type of coronavirus because there are four different families of coronavirus that cause the common cold. So what they've said is if you're the older you are, the more likely your immune system might be to think, ah, I've nailed this, it's this specific virus, I'll use this very specific tool. Whereas if you're very young, your immune system's immature and it's naive and it hasn't seen as wide a variety of viruses. Whenever it sees any virus, it kind of throws everything at it, throws the kitchen sink at it. Very early on, there was talk about proteins that can be attached to our lungs that the virus might attack. So the older you are, the more, more of these proteins you're likely to have. But people seem to have stopped talking about that one now. So it's really interesting um but we don't know for certain just yet it's really interesting isn't it and i i i wanted to kind of sort of break down some of the myths that we're hearing we know from from having made by mamas and having the platform and having our instagram that's lots of you know parents that are messaging us and going you know um i don't know what to do about this and i'm scared about this and i'm a pregnant woman and i'm really worried and i'm having to stay obviously we're all self-isolating at the moment and we're staying at home to save lives but there are a couple of kind of questions like for example food parcels when they are arrive lots of people are doing their shopping online now some people are saying that the virus can live on you know bags of shopping or underneath uh, if you go to the supermarket you actually get physically go out on the soles of your shoes is that true yeah yeah well there, there was a paper um, a research paper which looked specifically at this it looked at the the coronavirus that causes COVID-19 um, and it also looked at SARS which is the another coronavirus which is very similar to and they looked at different materials and what they found is that plastic and copper this virus can last for about three days on those oh, wow so if you bring your food shopping home or you get you know get it from the door on plastic packaging should be we be wiping that down well this is talking more about sort of solid plastic right okay like cellophane and those types of plastics, we don't know. We assume that actually it's less stable on those. On cardboard, uh, which a lot of packaging obviously is cardboard, um, they found that it could survive for 24 hours. So I think I kind of have two points on this. Um, one point is, you know, we're all social distancing and it's really important we do that. Certain groups of us must self-isolate. Again, really important. We must wash our hands. We must reduce all social contact with people outside of our households in every way. Stay two metres when we're out for our exercise. But how far do we take it? And if we start wiping down every single package that comes 
on our doorstep, every single letter that comes through our letterbox. It's kind of how willing are people, how, how willing are people to go how far? Um, so I think if you have a very highly vulnerable person in your household, then taking measures such as wiping down plastic packaging is perhaps something you may consider. In my household, I certainly won't be doing that. Um, but I mean, one of my GP colleagues, actually, what she's been advising people, which I think is quite sensible, is in your kitchen, if you have a newspaper, as your an open newspaper, as your little decontamination zone. So whenever you bring a parcel or a package in, you put it on there, you remove all the packaging, throw it away, wash your hands, um, and that way you get rid of the packaging. That's a good idea. Yeah. So, you know, that might be... But you know, what, what we risk here as well is people developing, you know, you, you, can't, you can't be perfect. You are not going to keep every single particle of this virus out of your home. Um, for most of us, that's not realistic. But if we follow the advice, the guidance that our government set for us, then we're doing we're doing enough. Because I don't know about you, though, but this, this is going to sound gross. But pre-coronavirus, if there was like you know, Gigi's dropped some orange on the floor and it's there for a couple of minutes and then she gets down from her high chair and she starts crawling about and she picks it up and eats it I'd just let her do it before yeah I always think oh you know build up her immunity it's all good but should we be being a little bit more cautious right now or should we just continue in our house like we always have done I think for the time being it's sensible to be a little bit more cautious um and you know I, th- I think it's kind of in our minds anyway isn't it I know as soon as I go out if I've touched anything it's like it's almost as if my hand feels dirty until I've washed it so I think I think yeah normally I think that is fine you know children drop things on the floor if it's in your own house it's in your own home those bugs that are around children can be exposed to them and and, and that's the norm but I think for the time being being a little bit more precautious with things like that is probably wise in balance. Dr Zoe, um, I've got a question for you. Um, there's, again, been a lot of chatter around kind of immunity. So, for, for example, there's probably going to be thousands and thousands of us that have had it. We know we, we're not getting tested. There aren't tests available at the moment. So there's been there's been talk of kind of building up immunity to it, obviously. And, um, and then maybe potentially we're going to get those tests that see if we have had it. And then what are they going to do with us if we have had it? So the government, what we know at the moment, so we're talking here about the antibody tests. So just to say, there are two different types of tests. There are the antigen test, that's the the nasal and throat swab that tells you if you have it. And what we're looking forward projecting in the next few weeks, there'll be a new test available, which is the antibody test. And that will be a finger prick test. You'll prick your finger, get a blob of blood, put it onto this little device which will tell you whether or not you have had it. Um, so that's, you know, that's really important initially for healthcare professionals like myself, because if I know I've had it, then I am effectively Im- immune from the current strain of coronavirus that's affecting us. Now that has implications, which has implications for me at work, because it means that I can no longer, I, I know that I do not have it because I've had it and it's gone. So I'm not I'm not breathing it onto my patients and they can't infect me. So as a GP, that means I'm the one who can go into nursing homes and 
visit patients there without putting them or myself at risk and I can go and do the home visits or maybe actually working as a GP isn't the best place for me if I'm someone who knows that I've had it maybe I'll volunteer and go and work on the Nightingale ward for example so I think for healthcare professionals knowing we've had it that's really important the sooner the better but as you say Zoe for all the general public out there who think they've had it um it's really helpful it's interesting to know if you've had it but it's also helpful and the main way in which it's helpful at a population level so for Sir Patrick Valance and the scientists who are making these decisions about our social distancing measures once we can determine how many people have actually had this virus and also how many people have had it without ever having had symptoms then that helps us determine what the future outlook is for the rest of the year and helps us determine how quickly we can reduce the social isolation measures as well. Sorry, just quickly, can we get it again? Can us and the kids get it again if we've had it? As far as the science tells us at the moment, we think you can't get this virus again, this strain, this version of the virus. And there's a possibility that next year or next season, whenever that will be, the virus could change a bit like flu does. And it could be that the next year's coronavirus this year, having had it this year, wouldn't give us sufficient immunity. But fingers crossed, the hope would be that it wouldn't change to that extent so that if you've had it once, you've had it and you can't get it again, that would be ideal. So we'll be back right after this. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So, welcome back. Uh, back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Where were we? It's, it's strange because my husband has been in contact with three confirmed cases of coronavirus. So we're sort of not assuming that he's had it, but we're almost like the likeliness of him having it 
is quite high. He had some symptoms and he's been in contact with three different people who've had it. And when you say in contact, how close contact? Very close contact. So his nan actually unfortunately passed away from it um, oh, last week and he'd sorry. been in hospital with her. Um, my my cousin who'd been traveling had it. He's, he's young and he's over it and it's, it's fine. And then somebody at work. Yeah. And at work, he plays football, so they're, you know, in close contact with each other. Yeah, and this yeah. was obviously before, um, you know, the self-isolation came in came into play. Um, he was obviously a confirmed case as well. So he's been in contact with three people for definite yeah. um, closely. So we're sort of like, oh, this, you know, it's, it's bizarre that he hasn't, well, if he hasn't had it, it would be quite strange. Yeah, so that, I mean, it sounds like there's a reasonably good chance that he has had it and had no did he have any symptoms at all did he lose his sense of smell he um he had a cough which drove me absolutely <laughs> mental <laughs> for two nights he was literally coughing solidly for about 48 hours just wouldn't stop coughing and then he just felt rough like he just felt horrible for a couple of days after that and what about you and the kids? I had a temperature and so did Gigi. I think it was actually before James had the cough. Yeah, Gigi had a really high temperature. They came and got me out of the um, out of my class at the gym and said she needs to go home. She's got a temperature. Obviously, I took her home and it, it wouldn't come down for a good few days. And then I had the same. So we're thinking maybe, you know, a few, well, it probably would a month a month ago, maybe longer than that, we would have had it. And also Axel got sent back from nursery because he had a really bad cough. I mean, I, I would say there's quite a lot of evidence there to suggest that maybe your household has been exposed to it. Although actually the kids had a really high temperature that was very difficult to bring down, then it may be that they had something else. Because obviously, you know, this time of year, they're being exposed to all sorts of viruses. So that when in children, we tend to see that they don't, they get quite mild symptoms. But I mean, it sounds like your household, yeah. If I was to... Edge my bets on it, I would say that your husband's have been in close contact with three confirmed cases, a cough for two days and a fever. Um, and if he's had it, then the rest of you have probably had it. So you've probably had it. Yeah, it'd be really interesting when we, you know, finally maybe can get tested at some point to know. It'd be good news if you have, though, because then that means, you know, that's that. You don't have to worry yeah, about it. It's exactly. done. And hopefully you have immunity. Um, Dr. Zoe, um, obviously we are having to stay at home at the moment and we all know why we're doing that. But the issues um, that are now kind of coming up are the aggressive drinking that we're doing every evening. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just checking that two glasses of two large glasses of red wine every night is absolutely fine for us all to be drinking or a gin and tonic or a couple of gin and tonics. And and how large are the large glasses? One one seven five. Um, I mean, no, it's too much, isn't it? No. Come on, that is oh, far no. too much. Um, okay. I know you know it is, but it raises a really important issue, actually, and that is that I think our governments face quite a lot of criticism that we didn't act quickly enough. Um, and of course, it's really important that we all continue to follow the measures and stay at home right now because the main focus for everybody is making sure that the NHS can cope so that we don't breach that level of that curve where the NHS is unable to provide the care for everybody that needs it at any given time. But if we'd flatten that curve even more, if that curve was completely flat and we prevented hardly hardly anybody from getting it at all at the beginning, then this thing would go on and on and on for months 
and maybe more than months into next year because you'd never be able to reduce those self-isolation measures because as soon as you do, then it's going to get out into the open and everybody's going to get it. So those difficult decisions they're making about when they bring in these different rules and when they eventually will release the different rules, of course they have to take into consideration minimising the number of people who unfortunately will pass away from coronavirus. First with, in the months and years that follow that, how many people actually will lose their lives because they've lost their income, they've lost their homes, they've started drinking too much, they've developed addictions because of obesity and type 2 diabetes that have been in part caused by this and heart disease, Um, and then mental health. It all has to be put into the balance and, you know, the only winner out of all of this is this pesky little virus because lives will be lost because of the virus and then because of other things. And, you know, I'm just glad I'm not in that room of people who have to make these decisions to balance one against the other. So talking about mental health and people that are on their own in this, um, I know a lot of like my friends and stuff, maybe they've got parents or grandparents who live on their own and they're quite concerned that they might be getting quite lonely. You know, they they probably don't know how to use the internet for online shopping, all that kind of stuff. So what steps would you go through so that they could come and isolate in somebody else's house? So for instance, say I wanted my granddad, he, he lives on his own, to come and isolate in my house. What would we do to make that work? Yeah, Ooh, it's a tricky question, isn't it? And I think it is exactly that point. You know, first and foremost, the best thing you can do to protect him from this virus is to leave him there on his own, make sure he's got the medicines that he needs, make sure he's got the food that he needs, speak to him on Skype and FaceTime, get him to do some exercise, etc, etc. That's the best thing for his health to protect him from the coronavirus. But then you have to balance that against actually, what's the best thing for his mental health? And if he is somebody who um, is likely to, to get very lonely and get depressed, potentially, we know that social isolation in itself generally in the normal world is a huge killer so it's against balancing the risks of those two things and I think Jenny Harry's in one of her Q&A's pretty well she kind of said she kind of said that people it's okay for people to leave a household and join a different household if that's a permanent switch and Although people should do that willy-nilly, people should not do that unless actually somebody is at risk because they're not going to do it. So if, for example, the example you've given there, your granddad coming to live with you, I guess the safest way to do that would be if your whole household had self-isolated for two weeks. So that means not going to the supermarket, not, you know, not going anywhere at all, just staying inside our house for two weeks. Yeah. And he's obviously self-isolating anyway, then that's the safest way to bring him into your household because that means that it's highly unlikely that when he arrives in your household, he's going to be exposed to the virus. Um, but for a lot of families, that's just not realistic because self-isolating means not even going out for the exercise every day. And, and if he was already living with you, then the expectation would be that you know, you'd probably wrap him up in cotton wool and try and keep him in the house and not let him out. But you'd still be going out to do the shopping, you know, once a week, um, going out for your daily walk, staying away from people um, and probably popping out to get medical supplies if, if it's things that he needed. 
So it's all about a balancing act. It's about being sensible. Um, and there isn't a rule specifically for this as far as our government's concerned. Um, but if you were to move him permanently from being on his own into your home and then he's going to stay with you for the duration of this thing, and that's important for his mental health, I personally think that that is not necessarily a good idea, but I don't think it's a bad idea either. Okay, yeah, I mean, he, at the moment he's fine, but I think there's probably quite a few you know, people who listen to the podcast that might be in that sort of situation for various reasons. Yeah, and you know, when we talk about the mental health, everybody is feeling anxious at the moment. I think um, I've had on my Instagram, whenever I do a Q&A or ask questions, the one thing that comes up by far more than anything else is anxiety. And that's people who have existing anxiety and, and they're feeling it really badly, but also people who are saying, oh yeah, I've had this symptom and that, and it's only now they're twigging that that is anxiety. I personally have suffered from anxiety, used to take medication for it, and um, mine kind of kicked in this weekend. Yeah, I'm with you, Zoe, actually. Oh yeah, it's just kicked in. If people are at home on their own and their mental health is deteriorating to the point that they're becoming sick, then moving permanently into another household, I think is probably on balance something that's okay to do. I um, I, I've been feeling um, really, really anxious. I'm again, like you, I've suffered with it in the past quite badly. During my anorexia, I was very anxious constantly. And I had this sort of heartburn thing. And I was like, it's acid reflux, basically, and it was coming back up. And I was getting sort of, you know, my hands, a trigger for me is when my hands start shaking, and I start feeling quite, I'm generally quite dehydrated. And there's lots of signs, there's my red flags that go off. And um, about two weeks ago, I was saying to Dozra, I was like, just not feeling right. And my acid reflux has come back. And I was like, I'm anxious. I'm really anxious. And I think as a parent, I'm trying to protect my children. I'm also trying to keep my household going. I have to keep going into work and doing my radio show. I'm also financially having to look after things because you know my husband does a job that has been directly infected by by COVID-19 and it's there is a lot there'll be a lot of families that are listening to this going yeah I feel really fucking stressed out and what do I do about it and there's there's conflicting information coming at you left right and center certain publications are printing one thing others are printing another scaremongering what's real we're having to stay at home our mental health is being directly affected by this yeah absolutely and I think my advice to all of those people listening to this podcast who are thinking oh my god yeah that's me the first thing to say is you no wonder do you know what it's kind of I think that you need a little level of acceptance of okay well this is to be expected because like you say there's a lot at stake here our worlds have changed we're all cramped into this household so first of all no wonder, and that's fine. Um, second thing to say is everyone's actually doing bloody amazingly well. Um, I think to be just keeping our head above water and keeping going and homeschooling and um, keeping a brave face on at the moment is incredible. So I think we're all doing really bloody well. So we should all give ourselves a little pat on the back. And um, and the third thing is a bit of a media lockdown. Um, I... I'm a health professional, I work in the media, so I feel a responsibility to stay on top of things and, and keep an eye on what's going on with the news, listen to the daily briefings, um, find out what papers are being, um, what research and papers are being put out into the ether so that I'm on top of everything. But most people don't need to do that. And I would say once a day, listen to the Prime Minister or the government's briefing once a day, if that's your kind of thing, because you know that you're going to get 
the proper up-to-date information. And if you're going to go online, look at the NHS website, so it's nhs.uk forward slash coronavirus, where everything is up-to-date, it's correct, and actually just refuse to read anything else or listen to anything else, unless it's a funny meme or something that makes you laugh, because... We're all just like totally absorbed with this thing and it's important we stay up to date, but we don't need to be thinking about it eight hours a day. And Zoe, what are your kind of tips for us? If you were to give us some tips on how to um, keep our mental health healthy. So we've got our kids in bed at the end of the day, um, you know, it, have a couple of, I mean, a couple of fingers of red wine is fine, isn't it? <laughs> Who's fingers? <laughs> I've seen the size of Doz's hands. That's another thing I wanted to talk about. The fact that my husband wants to have sex with me 50 times a day because we're at bloody home together. I think that's a conversation for another time. What can we do to kind of keep on top of our mental health when the kids are in bed and we've kind of, we've got a bit of time for us? Yeah, I think, I think this is the time when it's all about normality, isn't it? I think if we could go back six months in time and say seven nights, imagine darling, if seven nights of the week once the kids were in bed, we just had time together at home, what would we do? And just think, what would you have said back then? Like that valuable time, I know what Dazzle would have said, so let's just have one to set. Is there a box set you've been wanting to look at? Are there books you've been wanting to read? Are there people that you've been wanting to get in touch with? Things like House Party and Zoom, like I've been loving that House Party app. It, you know, unexpectedly jump into somebody's room, have a chat with someone you haven't seen for years. Um, we actually have a lot of time on our hands at the moment, which on the one hand can make things really difficult, can mean that our brain can be thinking about things. But on the other hand, we'll look back for the rest of our lives and think, God, do you remember that three-month period or four-month, five-month period when we had 24 hours a day at home with our family, with access to all of our friends and family over the internet, with access to unlimited box sets and movies and the Disney Channel or even doing a free seven-day package. And you'll look back and think, gosh, did I make the most of that time? So just almost project yourself into the future or take a step six months back. And what would you have, how would you have advised yourself to use this time in the best way possible? Make a baby! <laughs> I won't be making a baby. No, thank God Doz has had a vasectomy. Otherwise, I think baby number three would be on the way. I thought my sex drive was high until I married my husband. Um, so you've actually started your own podcast. Talk to us about it. Yay! Oh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. So myself and three other doctors, all three of them also work in the media, and all three of them happen to be my mates. Um, we've been trying for some time, saying we'd really like to do... A podcast, a medical podcast with a difference where, yeah, we'll talk about whatever's topical in the news, but also that just where we actually get to show a bit of our personality and who we are, because as much as I absolutely adore being on the sofa this morning um, or doing my, trust me, I'm a doctor, I always have to be Dr. Zoe. I never really get to be just Zoe. So through this podcast we'll do the medical stuff but it's also just talking a little bit about what the life of a doctor is like once we put our stethoscopes and prescription uh, prescription pads down because we're all absolute lunatics so so the first episode we recorded it on Saturday we've been planning to do it in a nicely fancy studio do photo shoots and we were chatting on Saturday said do you know what should we just do it let's just do it see what happens so we spoke about coronavirus and about ourselves it's called Steph's 
drugs and rock and roll. Just before we kind of wrap things up, Zoe, I just really wanted to ask you how long you think this uh, the lockdown's going to go on for and when can we see the peak? And basically, when are we going to get our fucking lives back? Okay, so let's, if we think about the last two days and today is Tuesday the 31st of March. So, and it's um, on Sunday night, Jenny Harry's the Deputy Chief Medical Officer, who I think is fantastic, um, she said those two words, six months. And I think that's all anybody heard in that sentence was that she'd said six months. And everyone's now freaking out, saying, are we going to be in lockdown for six months? It's highly unlikely that we're going to be in lockdown in the way that we are now for six months. It might be that six months from now, it's the final, you know, the hand washing, they might be the same. You don't need to wash your hands anymore, people, because that was the first thing that came in and it may be the last. So I don't think we're going to be in lockdown for six months. Um, what we heard yesterday from Sir Patrick Valance, who's the chief scientific officer, is that this exponential growth that we've been seeing in cases and in hospital admissions has stabilised. So for the past three days in a row, about a thousand patients have been admitted to hospital. Now that's really important because if it's stabilising, that means that the next thing that happens after it stabilises is things start to come down. So it suggests we may be approaching the top of the curve, but it's only been three days, so we can't get too excited. We can't breathe a sigh of relief yet. I think what we're hearing coming out of government is government at the moment, it it feels like quite a reassuring voice that whatever predictions and planning they've done, things are in line with that or possibly even slightly better. So if I was to make a prediction, when are we going to get out of lockdown? And this is just a stab in the dark because I don't know and I'm not privy to um, the conversations that are going on in government. But I think lockdown in the way that we're in it now I think we're probably going to be like this for maybe six weeks. And then I think it will be a gradual changes. I think it might be that people who have been tested and have had it perhaps can go back to work. And then it might be that the next phase is people who are young, fit and healthy, who if they got it, they'd be fine, almost definitely can go back to work. And I think those people who are older and certainly those very vulnerable groups I think they might be the ones who will be required to stay at home for, well, it's 12 weeks already, maybe even longer than that, because we really need to protect them. But that's just a, a one-person prediction, so don't take that with uh, with any level of certainty. I was um, talking to a friend yesterday on the phone who, because I, I had a bit of a wobble yesterday as I, as I was speaking about my, my sort of mental health, I, start, I started to feel quite anxious yesterday. And I was talking to my friend and she said to me, um, you're a mum, you've, you've been at home twice, you've done the newborn bu- bubble twice where you've just given birth and you've been at home. You have self-isolated before and you just didn't call it that. It's called the newborn bubble. Remember those days where you stayed in your pyjamas all day and if you had a shower, that was a win. And you know, you, all you did was fed baby and you didn't really speak to that many people and you definitely didn't go out anywhere. And she was like, any mums um, or parents who are listening to this that are like, how can we do this? It's like, you've actually done it before. Um, it was yeah, just dressed just dressed up in a different in a, in a different title you know what? that is a beautiful way of looking at it because it a lot of the stress and anxiety comes from what we're seeing external whereas actually if you just look at your life in your home it's not that scary um and we can get through this and we we have no choice at the end of the day so 
But I think that's a really neat way of looking at it, Zoe. What are we going to do? What's the first thing we're going to do when lockdown's over, Kinos? Well, I'd like to invite you both to celebrate my birthday. Firstly, on Friday, I'm going to have a party because it's my 40th birthday on Friday. Nine o'clock, I'm having a party. You're all invited. Um, I'm not quite sure how it's going to work yet, but Gokwan is DJing and obviously it'll be online on some platform. But then in September, hopefully all this will be over and I'm going to book a massive villa in Ibiza and you're both invited. Oh, yes. I'm going to bring my USBs. I'm going to DJ. Yes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ibiza. To, to, all, to all the Made by Mummers listening, you're all welcome to come to Ibiza with us in September. That will be Do one it. hell of a party. That would be great. Um, Dr. Zoe, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, guys, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I love Zoe so much. I always come away um, with chatting to her and I feel so much more knowledgeable. Yeah, she really knows her stuff, doesn't she? I mean, she's pretty much on our TV every other day talking about coronavirus. And uh, and she's still, you know, hitting us with facts that we didn't know. So it's incredible. She's amazing. Obviously, you can message her directly as well if you want to ask her anything. Um, what was really funny was the other day, Zoe's actually a mate of mine just away from the kind of media world and somebody reported on the fact that she was pregnant and it hit the news and I was like grabbed my phone and was like oh and she was like it's fake news and I was like oh you're that well known that people are writing fake news about you this is incredible (laughs) (laughs) so she's not pregnant Maybe after the the um, quarantine, she will. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. There's 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 enough time to practice, isn't there? Now that we're all at there home. Is. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, that um, brings us to the end of the podcast. We're not going to do our products this week because we feel like the the corona pandemic you know what i mean just just wash your hands yeah just buy lots of hand wash if you can get it yeah exactly um but georgia we're gonna kind of tell people to go down to our instagram yeah so just you know while we're all at home we might have a little bit more spare time to be honest i don't feel like i've got that much more spare time than i have before but anyway um we're going to try and learn some new things aren't we so like Zoe you've already started cooking which is incredible yeah, I just want um, to point out that I was I'm not actually that bad at cooking it's a, bit of a running joke that actually I just prefer to eat carrots and hummus at the end of the day than cook a meal but since we've been at home I'm actually not that bad I'm going to be doing some more recipes I promise you it is going to be me not like some sort of fake version of me <laughs> Um, no, but in all seriousness, we are going to be trying to learn stuff. Like, you're going to teach me, hopefully, or maybe we might get some experts on to teach me how the hell you do a winged eyeliner. So then when I am let out into the world again, I will be, you know, looking immaculate. Um, or, you know, we want to learn some stuff, don't we? So that's what we're going to be doing over on our Instagram. It's going to be a bit more of like a how-to. So not not how to spend some more money because we're all being, you know, we're being money conscious at the moment. It's more stuff that you've got at home that you haven't thought of trying so Georgia's like the queen of the bouncy blow dry so she's going to be doing a tutorial on how to do that I'll be doing more makeup tips we'll be doing home face masks how you can treat your hair by just using avocado and various other ingredients we're just going to be we're going to be kind of turning the Instagram into the same stuff that you love but also some real helpful tips on how to save yeah. you, but get your beauty done yeah and stuff that you haven't had time to try and master before but now nobody's going to see you this is the time to experiment isn't it exactly and also people are really really freaking out about the fact that they can't go for a wax they can't get me they can't um get their hair done me um and um, my, husband <laughs> me. Saw, my husband saw me yesterday doing a home mustache bleach 
Um, <laughs> I walked down the corridor and he turned around and he went, oh, what's that? And I was like, this is me bleaching my moustache because I can't go out and get it threaded. So get your hips out there. <laughs> do you know what I just did? I, um, I've i got all the kit to do my own gel nails. And I'm oh, gonna yes. Give it a go. Oh, yeah. yes. I can't wait yeah. to see what on that. So see what that's like. Um, but as well, we would love you to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. And if you could give us... Um, you know take two seconds just to write something about the podcast we would absolutely love that as well we're going to be back um, actually we're doing two podcasts a week from now onwards because we're all at home so we thought we might like to hear more chat and uh, we can't wait to tell you who we're going to be sitting down with next well remotely over the laptop <laughs> yeah please do drop us a message and watch our stories and you know give us some love over on our instagram at made by mummers and as always please direct all awkward questions sex related anything that i wouldn't want to answer to at zeri hardman yeah, you can imagine i'm really getting all the sex um practicing at home to at zeri hardman <laughs> right we'll see you in a few days Huge love. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We know times are very difficult right now. And if you want any more information about coronavirus, go to nhs.uk slash coronavirus. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.